0: Trash and Treasury, the podcast where we bring you some informative topics, but we also like to talk some absolute garbage in trash. We're Grace and Miranda.
1: (laughs) We sure do love to talk garbage, but look, I wouldn't call our trash today exactly garbage. It's a fantastic Australian show called Bump, which we've recommended before on the podcast. Now, I just need to say that there will be spoilers when we get to trash today, so If you haven't seen Bump and you're still planning to, you might want to scoop to our recommendations.
0: But also, if you don't give a crap about spoilers, um, listen to it anyway and then watch it later. (laughs) See who you're going to join, me or Grace. We have some differing opinions.
1: It's true. And then on a more serious note, for our treasury this week, we're going to be talking about The Perfect Body. What that term has meant over varying terms in history, what that means now, how that's changing and being dismantled.
0: Yeah, it's such a broad topic. And so uh, we won't be able to cover everything, but today we're going to focus on some really interesting points within that conversation.
1: Yeah, it is really broad ranging, but I'm really interested to talk about in a treasury today. What is the perfect body?
0: has changed constantly throughout history Mm. it has never been the one shape and there are so many different examples of this um Mm. we can go back to the 1700s or the 1800s where they were wearing corsets and other garments similar to corsets called stays and bodies so these were like fully kitted up, designed undergarments that could shape. What's bodies? Is that like a bodice? Well, there's some interesting conversation about whether that's how they maybe pronounced it back in the day. Oh. Bodies. <laughs> but is yeah.
1: that, we're saying the same thing? It pretty much. I mean, it's, it's got not, a C.
0: But it's not spelled no, it's not spelt with a C. Okay. But um, yeah, so that's kind of where the whole bust was shaped essentially um and look fashion designers might be rolling over in their pod chairs or graves right now (laughs) if they were to hear (laughs) me (laughs) explain this but um essentially one of these many undergarments that were used to shape women's bodies and Mm. um essentially one of the biggest differences between historical times and modern times is that the achievable body or the perfect body was all about shape and not about mm. size. So obviously undergarments could change a woman's size by reducing the size of the waist, for instance. And and there is, you know, differing opinions on whether that actually changed the shape of their rib cage and things like that. But essentially the structure itself, changed the silhouette of a person to the desired Mm. look and you know even in the 80s we've got shoulder pads big shoulders but then back way back when I can't pick the era, but narrow shoulders were Mm. really desirable um also really yeah also really soft curvaceous um sort of more voluptuous body shapes were desirable and then, mm. um, and you know, cleavage up the wazoo. But then, also, no cleavage and shapely boobs and pointy boobs were actually the fashion for a really large part of history. So you might have seen, mm. you know, the, the Madonna bra, the um, conical bra, yeah, yeah, I the conical bra. Was Madonna? Like go back. <laughs> I mean, not as pointy as Madonna, but pointy boobs were a thing, and um, boobs were separated. They were never squished up like how we do now um with bras and undergarments so oh you can still separate the boob today I've read a lot of things about
1: the proper cleavage you don't want them too squished but then again that's all personal preference
0: that's yeah personal preference
1: (laughs) and societal pressure
0: (laughs) and societal pressure exactly it's kind of like um perhaps we as individuals may not want to look as Specific way, but there is still kind of the social leaning towards a certain body shape that is, Mm. you know, what society would deem perfect. And that's kind of the key difference is that throughout history, pretty much, you know, since the 60s onwards, where they got rid of girdles and corsets and really heavy undergarments you know, was shape kind of not being taken into account as much. And in Mm -hmm. the 80s, the world apparently became fitness obsessed and Mm -hmm. everyone was kind of propelled into exercising and having really fit bodies. It's it's a really interesting conversation because people talk about the fact that currently Mm. you can't just get the desired size of a body, but in history, throughout history, we have always been able to achieve a desired shape, even if we weren't the most desirable size. And that is the key difference.
1: I feel like um, we're very much back at the 80s now. Fitness is the new thing. Fitspo, it's a bit different to the 80s that were like, yes, big muscly shoulders now. It's lots of squats and a big bum. But it is shape, I think. People being skinny is past the 90s and 2000s. That's over. Now it's back about, I think, you know, we're going to discredit this whole notion of a perfect body, but just to entertain the idea to talk about the trends, what I would consider the perfect body of 2020 is Kim Kardashian.
0: Yes. And Kardashianism, as it's known, Mm. has changed our aesthetic from the 90s which would have been like heroin chic skinny. which is literally yeah. what they called it um you know just yeah. kind of gaunt so skinny that people were worried about you like that was mm. the clothes rack look that everyone wanted Kate Moss who used to say Kate nothing Moss. tastes as good as skinny feels exactly exactly yes all those sorts of things um and there's always been exceptions to the rule sure celebrities who maybe uh, were outside the mould that were desirable um, but also had, you know, beautiful voluptuous shape, I don't think we've done away with thinness, Grace. I think that we have done away with gaunt skinnyness, mm. but not thinness. I mean, being completely fit and svelte is still something that is unattainable for most people. And mm. in but history, it's in a fitspo way now. In a Fitzbow. yes, but it's still problematic. It's still problematic. Oh, of course, yeah. Fitspo is so problematic. I see how there's a real irritation in in women, particularly, um, mm. that feel that in modern society we've now we're now propelled to achieve a certain size or a certain look, but not a certain shape. You know, you still see. Wellness influences and wellness garbage, you know, across, splashed across Instagram. Essentially, fitness models walking around in active wear and they are still thin. They might be fit, mm, they might mm. be fit, but they are still thin. And uh, it is still incredibly un- unachievable for the majority of women. Whereas back in history, you know, even very voluptuous women could wear girdles and achieve a tiny waist and wear beautiful dresses and have huge cleavage and you know the shape was achievable by clothing there was even a time when really really long bodices were in I think it was oh, I, I always remember can't remember which Elizabeth it was it was Elizabeth the first and the one with that wore the collar and yeah. she always has that.
1: well we're only up to the
0: second and that's who's in charge actually now. that's true <laughs> we're only up to number two so it must have been her um she had this really really long dress um the corset kind of goes all the way down the front and it's really long it kind of gives her this sort of flat chested um Mm. look almost as if she's wearing body armor but makes the corset makes the torso look extremely long longer than human humanly possible because that was the design at that time. And again, a shape.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you that like being slim is still definitely very privileged and definitely, you know, everywhere as the ideal, but what I would say is that I think it is um changing a lot and in modern body positivity and a lot of movements on Instagram which started out of fat activism which have now sort of grown into like a broader body positivity. The conversation isn't about what shape used to be what shape. It's just about any shape, any size. You can be healthy at any size. You can be fit at any size. And, you know, who cares?
0: Yes. And this is brings brings us to another really interesting point in terms of body image, the perfect body. There's a lot of mm. ways of thinking around people's bodies. Obviously, we know what body negativity is, is shame and guilt associated with one's size or um, appearance. But then you've got body body positivity, which is the celebration of kind of all bodies, no matter what shape. Mm. And a lot of people who do like to celebrate the word fat and embrace it. um, There's Mm. there's a lot of that in the body positivity movement. Um, But we've seen something interesting come up. Um, in more recent years, called body neutrality. Have you heard about this? Mm, yes, I have. Yeah, and so body neutrality is essentially the—it's kind of trying to take away the binary way that our brain works. That kind of all or nothing. You're either mm. you're, you're either positive about your body or you're negative. And it's like you're not just going to be always having a body positive day. There's going to be days where you don't feel great, you know, and there's going to be days where you feel completely crap you know and it's kind of just it's trying to take away that and just your body just is you know you should still yeah. treat it with respect and you should still you know appreciate what it can do and everything but your body is just a body it's not about celebration it's not about shame it's just about your body like your body just is your body and you're lucky to have one and it's kind of just it's its just trying to neutralize the focus on the body which I totally get to be honest you know we're so mm. obsessed with our bodies whether it be trying to celebrate it and trying to not shame ourselves or you know trying to shame ourselves into eating better or working out more or dressing better or spending money on things or having plastic surgery you know it's just your body is just your body and there's so much more to your person than your body so it's kind mm. of like a different way of thinking.
1: It's an interesting idea it takes the power out of it and yeah it just makes it more like it just is but I do think there's something really important about um celebrating more diverse bodies which is um you know maybe body neutrality would say that it would do that too but um have you been to the toy section of a Kmart or Toys R Us lately and looked at what Barbie looks like now? No, I haven't. She's totally different. So the traditional Barbie we grew up with couldn't exist because her waist doesn't have enough room for her internal organs and ribs.
0: Oh, yeah, true.
1: that's how bad Barbie is. Um, And they've made all these new Barbies now. Barbie now has like big thighs, just normal. There's a Barbie in a wheelchair. There's lots of different nationalities of Barbie, and they all look like normal people. And it's so good, and I think that is body positivity because it's not yeah. enough to just be neutral when something has been shamed. You actually do need to forcibly totally. demonstrate and celebrate and put up as an ideal that little girls should aspire to different
0: things. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that, and um, they're interest. It's in, interesting ways of looking at it. Um, you know, it's and it's kind of you know whichever one works. you or whichever one you think is best and and I'm kind of with you on the body positivity train I think it can be really Mm. good to celebrate um bodies and I love that Barbie's different now um you know I wonder what I wonder what little girls would say I wonder if they would actually um so true what they be loving like, I want them as my much
1: skinny barbie
0: I want the skinny barbie like That's I've definitely so heard that before um you know so I don't know I mean um we're still That's really interesting splashed with social media I mean we sure I had barbie but I also didn't have Instagram mm. you know how many um you know yoga uh athle- <laughs> athleisure wear advertisements um would I see if I was to scroll on Instagram or borrow mum's phone and you know go on Facebook mm-hmm. or watch mm-hmm. an ad you know I mean there's just thinness is everywhere fitness mm. is everywhere and that's no different now than it than it was in in other modern times I would say but it's it's just it's so problematic the perfect body does change so much and I think um then we come into a discussion about plastic surgery and how what we want to achieve is so changeable. So if you make mm. body modification, what happens if our ideal changes? You know, and then you've you've gone ahead and had all this work done and physically hurt the body to morph yourself into what is mm. desirable. Like these big And of course it will lips. change. Not many people have giant lips naturally that look like Kim Kardashian's. You know, you have to be of a mm. certain um, body type, and lucky to have these huge lips. Like oh, Kardashians don't have them <laughs> naturally. <laughs> Not naturally, no. But the aesthetic that they're projecting, you know, and um, it's just become the thing. And we, when science has to intervene, I mean, it's just it's gone a little far, hasn't it? No, you know, yeah. like I feel like wearing a corset's one thing, having high heels to not having heels to um, pointy boobs to not pointy boobs it's like you know geez we when we Mm. have to have surgery now it's just it feels crazy and I'm not trying to shame people who have had surgery or anything like that I just I kind of don't like that this is how far the perfect body has come yeah,
1: I think you're right. Like the perfect body obviously has always changed over history and it's never going to stop changing. So rather than trying to attain the perfect body, we need like a bigger dismantling of, yeah. you know, just not caring about that and what capitalist structures are driving the perfect body. Like seriously, it is all of the money behind yeah. the beauty industry and the fitness industry.
0: Yes. And, and
1: also – um, how that intertwines with, you know, encouraging
0: eating disorders and other things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. A couple of other things um, I want to mention is the Western ideals of the perfect body is very different Mm. to lots of other cultures. I was listening to a podcast actually with a fitness instructor, ex-dancer, who um, was being interviewed and, and she said, you know, I've, been so obsessed with my body, I constantly am trying to not think about my body all the time. But, you know, I have thin privilege, you know, she's like mm. which I feel like never heard anyone use that, that word. Mm. I don't know. Wow. Oh uh, yeah. I'm sure it's not new, but I just thought how interesting and how self aware. And she's yeah. like, I'm not gonna pretend that I don't wear, you know, crop top and, you know, still try and achieve thinness and she's like but I'm also naturally thin and I've not experienced what it's like to be um a larger curvier person yeah Um, it's very easy to be like I don't care about society's ideals when you're ready for the societal mold and you're getting no judgment or any Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You don't have to stand up against the norm because, you know, it's just easy to fall into it. And um, Mm. she also made a really good point that thinness and the desire to be thin is all connected to white privilege and white supremacy. And (laughs) there's Mm. a book that um, really illustrates this, which I'll put in the show notes, called um, Fearing the Black Body. And just, yeah, really interesting how being thin is – essentially a white thing you know we've made it the ideal for some bizarre reason and that's that's interesting even with the new thing
1: of junk in the trunk because that's traditionally associated with black women
0: yes it's yes I suppose that's true but we're still it's still a problem. Maybe it's less of a problem in that regard now, it's but just a
1: different kind of problem. It's different still kind of problem. Policing women's bodies. It's still and a problem. It is mainly women's bodies. Men can be affected by eating disorders too, but predominantly the way these things happen in society it is mainly about policing women.
0: Of course, bodies. and we're also not talking about eating disorders here because that's a manifestation of lots of different things, and not necessarily. You know, it's it's one way that it's exhibited is in an eating disorder or the desire to be thin, but it's not necessarily the only reason. And we will also put some links in the show notes if anyone would like some more advice on those topics. Something that was brought up to me actually um, that you and I said, Grace, in episode one, Mm. which I sort of thought at the time, I was like, yeah, I sort of actually remember us saying this, but we didn't correct ourselves. Mm. We were speaking about Natalie in um, Love Actually and mm. this is uh, for those who haven't seen it, which don't know who that is. But um, <laughs> the Hugh—I know what you're gonna say—the Hugh Grant love interest. We were sort of saying how there's all these problematic fat jokes in um, Love Actually, and there are. And his assistant says, "Oh well, yes, she's got a pretty sizable ass there, you know." And and we were sort of saying, "What? She's not like." she's not fat at all she's not fat she is
1: beautiful where it's like you can be fat and beautiful yeah that's totally fair enough to call us out for that yeah and we were trying to make the point like against fat jokes but it like it's it's so ingrained
0: it's so ingrained ingrained. even in us and even though we support all these ideas and we're progressive like we can screw up too and I think people Mm. do it all the time and it just it just hammers home this ideal that being thin is the Perfect thing and it's that it's beautiful what I was thinking was she's not fat at all she's actually quite slim um but we were mm. like oh she's beautiful and it's like oh mm. because slim is beautiful it's like well curvaceous mm. people are also beautiful fat people can be beautiful and if you're not beautiful you deserve deserve the exact same rights as somebody who isn't beautiful so I completely get that point there too but Mm. you know as a non-thin person I totally feel this I totally feel this I mean you know it is so tricky living in a society where that is just the ideal and I know that there are exceptions to the rule where people say oh you know but I had perhaps skin trouble when I was younger or it's I was called this or that and all valid but living Mm, in a society pervasive it's not as pervasive. It's, it's, there's exceptions to those things. And I think the thinness ideal is just so problematic. I hope it changes. And, you know, we are going to be talking about wellness, which I'm really excited about. Me too. The wellness industry, it's just, it's huge, but being thin and being healthy and being beautiful can all go hand in hand, but also don't have to. And, there is not necessarily a connection between the size you are and how healthy you are. And if that's one point I can make today, that's the one. <laughs> Very well said, babe. I think that
1: is so true. And that's such a good point. I think we should just leave it there because you've summed that up beautifully. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but there is another show where someone was also dealing with changes to their body or maybe not changes to their body in the end, Um, (laughs) Mm. but definitely something to do with their self-image and body image. And I'm talking about the Stan series Bump. (music) Bump came out on Stan on New Year's Day. It's an Australian series about a teenage girl who didn't know she was pregnant until she was giving birth. And basically it's about how traumatic that is And how you cope with that and how, you know, that affects everyone involved and what happens next. Mm. And this phenomenon of not knowing you are pregnant until you're in labor is actually more common than you might think. So... There is it's a trashy t- TV
0: show about that, isn't there? There is. I didn't know I was pregnant. I didn't know I was pregnant. Classic daytime. <laughs> There's Foxtel. a trashy TV show about everything, <laughs> and so
1: this is not a t- This is not reality. This is a drama, um, but it's a very real concept, and it happens to about one in two thousand five hundred women. Mm. And doctors used to call this a denied pregnancy, because basically they didn't believe women that they didn't know. They thought they just didn't want to acknowledge it. They didn't want to deal with it. They had psychological reasons why they were in denial about it. But now doctors Mm -hmm. are much more accepting that it's a real thing. And the terminology now is called a cryptic pregnancy where they just can't explain. There's no symptoms, all your clothes fit, no period, no weight gain, no feeling a kick. And then all of a sudden you deliver a healthy full-term baby.
0: I just have so many questions. I mean, I haven't seen um, – I didn't know I was pregnant. Um, <laughs> sure. Which you'd probably you answer all... these kind of shirts. <laughs> I just – I don't know. I, I think I saw it advertised, but I obviously need to get on it because it's, yeah, super trash right up my alley. Um, but I don't understand how a physical baby can fit mm. inside a body without there being weight gain because it is literally yeah. – A human being like it's another human being growing inside your body and it's pretty decent sized, you know there's fluid around the baby i've heard of a woman i read in a dolly magazine one time that um had a baby and she didn't know she was pregnant and she was trying to get really fit because she thought she was getting um quite large but she had carried all of the baby's fluids in her butt and so she was getting a really large bum but she wasn't getting a large tummy but I saw that
1: same article and the Dolly (laughs) doctor discredited that. They're like, you can't have a baby in your bum. But what actually happened was like, you can have a pregnancy not quite right in the front. Like if your womb is kind of tilted and stuff, it might be more like up against your spine rather than like right up out the front.
0: Right. And things like
1: that. But I feel like it's a theme of the show as well, that kind of people don't believe her or the parents are like, how are we so distracted that we didn't notice this? I think it is treated with a lot of skepticism that people just don't believe it could happen or understand how it could happen?
0: Well, I mean, clearly it does happen if it happens to one in every two and a half thousand women, which is just Mm. sky high in my opinion. (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah, I agree. Unexpected pregnancy to the nth degree, you know, you didn't know until you were delivering it. But um, how are these babies not tiny little preemies? You know, I just don't understand how a full-term baby can be inside the body and there'd be no fluid. I Mm. just don't get it. Anyway, I guess we're not doctors, but <laughs> I'm expecting that you've yeah, got is like a full TED Talk time
1: ready. To, <laughs> An ample time to remind listeners, we're not doctors, we're not experts. Consult <laughs> a physician for any pregnancy planning advice. Or oh, I didn't know I was TV pregnant show. on some channel. Yes. <laughs> but no one remembers. But, <laughs> yes. But people are loving Bump. So it's a well-produced Australian TV show. It's got an awesome feminist teen protagonist, which is something I always love. It has diverse casting, love that, and it's already been renewed for a season two. But when I recommended this show two episodes ago, <laughs> you hinted that you potentially had a controversial opinion, so we've all been waiting for two weeks, and I'd like to <laughs> hand over to you. What was your reactions to this show? Um,
0: Look, loved the Australiana, thought they did that yep. very well. I mean... And you don't traditionally like Australian. I do, I do. No, you I'm... hate Australian. <laughs> I hate Australian, Scott. Grace. <laughs> Putting under the microscope here. I'm sounding terrible. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Just Australian. saying, maybe some people will relate. Australian TV shows I find sometimes hard to digest. I find the accent very close to home. I think there's something about watching television that you escape you know into a different I mean watching a trashy reality show it's a bit different it's escapism in in a different way but Australian um, drama and film I I often find hard to digest unless it's really good because I find Mm. the acting to be quite on the nose or jarring because the Australian culture is so Undramatic and untouchy-feely. <laughs> that when mm. they are touchy-feely, it just doesn't feel like believable to me because I just don't feel, you know, sometimes that an Australian would actually like pack to that. the rafters or neighbours like the something. rafters, Yeah, something or neighbours up here. I did used to watch Home and Away, but I did give it yeah. away at a certain point. But yeah, I often find it hard to digest. However, loved Offspring. Mm-hmm. Loved The Little god! the movie. Yeah, Offspring was just phenomenal. Um, You know, I've watched a lot of Australian shows that I really, really enjoy and um, I've definitely had my mind changed about that. Wentworth also, another fantastic show. Okay, so you're on Team Australiana. Sorry, I had some outdated information. Sometimes, but sometimes it's jarring. Um, This they did really well. I thought it was quite believable. The Mm. characters, um, the... feminist protagonist I actually thought it was very sort of north side Melbourne even though it was set in Sydney did you find that
1: yes I loved her she had on her nightstand um a book by Malala and a book by Gloria Steinem and I was like oh that's such like a stereotype and then I was like actually I know like heaps of women I'm friends with that 100% have those two books on their nightstand
0: yeah but you know believable character believable character but she is a total bitch like I literally (laughs) can't stand her I think she is such a mole what do you think (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's hilarious
1: well she went through something very very traumatic so I think yes she does have like some rude things that she says or does but I think she's like very entitled to that she's a 17 year old and like they really show in the show like how traumatic the birth was and the aftermath of it and apparently the creator of the show said that that was meant to be a metaphor for the fact that like all parenting is traumatic to some degree and this was like to the extreme, like what a shock parenting always is, but let's really amp it up. And so I think like in the context Mm. of that and how much her life had been like flipped on its head, I think you have to excuse any mole-like behavior, surely.
0: (laughs) No! Why should (laughs) we excuse the fact that she's a mole just because she had a baby? Like, I mean, the thing is she was never – um, like it was never about the baby that she was horrible. You know, it was always about um, she was so – this is something I really hated but um, I did find it very believable but she really was so rude and um, I found quite aggressive to her mother – I found that to be, like, this bizarre dynamic. She constantly shut her mum down. Her mum felt like she couldn't say anything to her because she would Mm. snap her head off all the time. She was borderline abusive. Like, honestly, I thought she was really kind of awful. And um, I don't know. A lot of TV shows have that relationship, though. I'm thinking, like, Marissa
1: and Julie Cooper, like... A lot of relationships with very
0: tense mother-daughter relationships where the daughter yells at her mum. Yeah, okay, sure, that's not that original, but she was just so mean and her mum was very supportive, which I was not expecting. Mm. I mean, I sort of thought Mm. maybe she'd be angry, then, you know, she'd come back and it would be really predictable in that regard, but... Actually, she was like, oh, you've got a baby. Wow. Um, yeah, I agree. She, like, was, she was very like, calm and supportive. <laughs> she was just like the calmest person I've ever met. But then I thought, God, Jesus, I'd be freaked out if my kid had a baby. And look, she was, but she was very calm about it and she was so sweet and um, – you know, the kid just kept getting angry at her. And she's like, you've had a baby. Clearly I'm the one that's going to be looking after it. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, she just was so arrogant and rude. And look, again, really believable. But um, I definitely didn't like her as a character. I found her very unlikable. Um, I thought that she was rude to her boyfriend who she cheated on, you know, and then she was sweet to him at one point. But then she was rude again. And she's just so entitled, and I just she really pissed me off. But everybody else in the show, I really loved. I loved her boyfriend. Um, I loved the baby daddy. I really loved yeah. the mum. Really, really loved the mum. I thought she was brilliant. Um, I loved her bestie Rama. Her bestie Rama. Yeah, like all the characters were fantastic. And look, she was a complicated character, but I think that's right. Yeah, she just, she just. I think she was still kind of. Given a bit too much of a hero edit um, in my mind, I think that she she didn't um, she didn't address enough things with her mum, and I really felt like her mum was like being borderline abused. Like it was just <laughs> it was just strange. It was really strange. It, clearly, her mum could just didn't want to say a word to her, you know. For fear of I it didn't that get
1: door. that impression. I feel like her mom was just like cool as a cucumber because she's got a lot of life experience and parenting experience. And I think the mom's narrative arc was that she can taste freedom. She's like nearly finished parenting, and then she's like, "Fuck, I have to start all over again." Yeah, but I, I think that, um, yeah, I definitely didn't pick up on those things you're saying, but maybe if I watch it again. And it has been renewed for a second season with all the same characters and constructs, so they definitely maybe should dive into that because, you know, yeah. life has to go on and, you know, this event is life-defining, but you can't rely on it forever. You need to, you know, make other choices and grow up, which I think the show does address.
0: Yeah, look, um, I agree. I think they do definitely need to flesh it out more. Um, but it was
1: short, it was short episodes and only like, you know, either eight or 10 half an hour episodes. So it's pretty short. Yeah. There's more to say.
0: Exactly. And you know, for those who haven't seen it, um, it's really, it's really good to watch. I mean, there's a really good part in the beginning too, where she considers adoption. Um, Mm. and that was really interesting because you're not allowed to, um, give up the baby, um, for 30 days. But Mm. if she was pregnant, she would have been able to fill out all those documentation forms and everything before she'd had the baby. But because it was an unexpected, what do you call it? Denied pregnancy, um, cryptic cryptic pregnancy, pregnancy, she didn't have that opportunity. So against her will, she had to bond with this baby for 30 days before she could give it up for adoption. And then obviously she got attached and that didn't happen. But I thought that was, Mm. yeah, really fascinating. Something I didn't know. I agree.
1: I thought that was really fascinating. Mm. And I'm going to say it's like really controversial now. Okay. So when I first saw the poster for this show, I was like, oh, like not another Juno. Like we yep. actually don't need another Juno. Um, and I'd be surprised if anyone hasn't seen Juno. But if anyone hasn't, it's a film where a similar aged girl also has an unexpected pregnancy. Yeah. Um, but she knows about it early and she was going to get an abortion, but somebody protesting an abortion clinic told her her fetus has fingernails so she didn't go through with it and she had a baby and it was a beautiful adoption happy ending. Yeah. And I was just like, when I saw the poster, I was like, really? Again? Like, And actually Mm. the creator of Juno has said that uh, Diablo Cody, they would never have made Juno if they knew how – the current political climate was going to go and the fact that abortion rights are being wound back and, you know, Amy Cohen Barrett and Ah. all the laws being repealed and just having a sort of pro-choice, you know,
0: storyline. I mean, in Juno, God, it's been a while since I've watched that, but again, with the similar themes, it's just that it ended differently. Um,
1: It started differently It started differently, yeah. To be fair.
0: Yeah. And I remember her going to the clinic and, you know, getting... Um, freaked out by the protesters but mm. I think you know it was still pro-choice in that she knew she still had the right to go in if she wanted to she was she was put off um, but that's realistic isn't it like that's I realistic think,
1: yeah it wasn't explicitly a pro-choice film but it still had the you know hero feminist you know story end in adoption and yeah. I feel like there's not many teen shows that I can think of where they get an abortion there's a lot where they think about it and then they have a miscarriage and True. I can think of ones where they do adoption and again that's not what happened in Bump she didn't even have that choice as you said she didn't have any planning options yeah accessible to her
0: she was just 17 quite a nerd yeah. obsessed with her little toy and um yeah (laughs) which I find bizarre because she then just like became this really never addressed that ever again yeah I do agree
1: they never addressed that ever again she was like had sort of OCD tendencies like walking on the steps and like her toy and it's like you wouldn't just and suddenly she was really cool
0: how was she just suddenly really cool you know and then she went to that party she was really cool and that toy again and she was OCD I thought that she was um going to you know be quite obsessive but she just it just never came up again she was just sort of cool calm and collected I don't know kind of a bitch but yeah she didn't have any of those other tendencies don't don't you reckon I mean look I, I really loved it I really did enjoy it I just I yeah I had had some issues with it, but it's a good show. And it, I no, think-
1: it's it's totally fair to like critique a character, and as you said, it was meant to be a flawed portrayal. And I think yeah. it definitely is enjoyable. And like another thing that was really good about it is it had like um, the main family were the only white characters in the whole show.
0: Yes, they that's actually true.
1: Were like if you go back and look, um, which they still had all the biggest roles. So yes. we're not completely there yet, but at least, you know, there was a lot of diversity and sort of having like a Latina community is something I've seen in like a lot of American TV shows, but never in Australia. Australian Definitely show. not in and Australia.
0: So, yeah, nah. I agree. But that they had all really that
1: different. diversity in the writer's room as well, so they could write it really
0: authentically, which oh, I think Oh, that's so good. Mm. That's so good. It was a bit of a trope in that his family were just beautiful and accepting. I thought that's a little bit cliche but you know not everything's progressive so that's okay
1: (laughs) not every family with an illegitimate baby dad is accepting I thought they were beautiful I loved the little grandma who was like
0: the first one to know no you do make a good point um they were really beautiful and sweet and although it was a bit cliche in those ways I did really enjoy it I did I did want to watch the next Mm. episode I'm pretty sure I binged it all in a day me too came out on a good
1: time for summer binging and the episodes are quick like they're 30 minutes they're pretty yeah. punchy there's not too much filler per episode there's some zingers yeah it's enjoyable if you haven't checked it out yet and if you have we would love to hear your thoughts especially if you agree with Miranda hashtag what a mole <laughs>
0: <laughs> and until they prove me wrong in a season two that's the hill I'm willing to die on which <laughs> is a nice segue to our next segment Have My summer. hill to die on this week a is a big one. And for those of us who have been uh, either working from home or mm. not working from home or have ever worked in an office or ever been to school or ever been to uni or ever been anywhere uh, where you've had to do an icebreaker activity. <laughs>
1: um, I really thought you were going to say where well, you have to do a poo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Be grace <laughs>
1: I don't know. Something about. Come on, put the hand dryer on like a decent human. Uh,
0: Make this. <laughs> I, just I thought am that's not where you were that going. Modest. Come on. No, you no. have to do an icebreaker. Okay, sure. Yes. Icebreaker. Okay. <laughs> icebreaker activity. Oh God, they are just mm. the worst. Um, they are awkward. I just what about it breaks the ice? I feel like it creates ice and makes us all anxious (laughs) and, um, uncomfortable and it's just, it doesn't warm anyone up. We all just get afraid and then it's like, oh, they haven't asked me for my name yet. Oh, oh, my name's coming. Oh, it must be me next. Like I just, I effing hate them. And, um, it reminds me of like being in school and Mm. ask the teacher asking you to read a section of the textbook yes and I would be petrified to even attend class that's how much I hated it I mean you know fear of fear of public speaking and anxiety probably all like you know played into that but um I just hated it and I really hate icebreaker activities and also then um you know when they ask direct questions to a group and then it's like anyone got anything
1: I'm just gonna pick on someone if no one oh, answers. I know.
0: I'm just gonna pick on someone if no one says anything, and it's like, no, 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 no. Please don't pick me. Don't pick me. But then I'm always the one to chime in and be like, I'll say something because this is too painful. Mm-hmm. You know, this awkward silence is so painful, and oh, that's just my rant. I yeah, I can't stand icebreaker activities, group activities. Um, are really good.
1: <laughs> so let's get I rid feel of like- them. You've been doing the wrong icebreakers. Sometimes they can be fun.
0: Mm. If
1: in small groups, that's a key. Definitely not reporting back to the whole room. Yeah. That will make hell freeze over. As you have said, it's not an icebreaker. (laughs) Winter is coming. Yes. (laughs) And on the reading thing, apparently instead of reading to the class, if you've got trouble reading, it's a great um, strategy to read to dogs. And they have like these therapy dogs that come in and help kids with reading difficulties to be like a non-judgmental audience
0: oh my god that is Isn't that so cute beautiful? Beautiful? <laughs> <Yes. laughs> yeah, I sat and read to Louis he'd just be licking his butthole or something yeah couldn't be as cute but, but if you
1: had to just do your icebreakers in front of dogs you'd be fine absolutely I'd rather do icebreakers with dogs <laughs> yeah so maybe that's the answer as an icebreaker bring in like 10 puppies that will break the ice then get on with your yeah. training session
0: And like, I don't think anything about that made me um, a stronger public speaker. It's ironic because we're doing Mm. a podcast, but you know, um, like, I don't think anything about those activities made me a stronger public speaker. I like to speak when I have something to say and I'm not as scared when I do that. But if I am forced to read a script, I just freeze. And so does everybody. On a Libra pad, it said one time. You know, all those facts, do you remember? Oh (laughs) oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) People fear public speaking more than death, and it's true. Whoa. Yeah. Statistically, they do. Yep. Wow. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) Facts one oh one from me. (laughs) What's your hill? My hill is also semi-related
1: to work, working from home. And it's basically about how uh, sayings and common conventions need to move with the times. So people mm. have often said the following phrase, leggings are not pants. <laughs> and I'm here to say no. Fashion changes. <laughs> that pandemic has made active wear and leisure wear our main clothes.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. Leggings
1: are 100% pants. Yep. I yeah.
0: know. Totally agree. Leggings are pants yeah. now. Leggings oh, are yeah. pants. And I
1: feel like the people who say leggings are not pants are trying to police women's bodies. And also <laughs> the subtext is, you know, back to our body positivity conversation. Yes. They are. They're saying the only people that can wear leggings is like, if you're skinny and like you look like a Victoria's Secret model, you can wear leggings, I guess. But everyone else it's like disgusting if you show the shape of your leg in a legging. It's not mm. a pant. And it's like, no your leggings. It is a pant. It it's is a, a pant. pant. Yeah, it's got two leg holes and a waist and two foot holes. It's a
0: pant. They're already halfway there. My work pants are called treggings. They're just trouser leggings. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> treggings. <laughs>
1: oh my god! I've never heard that. I've heard jeggings.
0: Yeah, but treggings. 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 Trouser leggings because they've got pleats in them, but they're stretchy.
1: <laughs> See, there
0: we go. They're pants.
1: They're corporate. Your point.
0: Has been made. Absolutely. The people need them. And if anyone wants them, they're at Target. (laughs) (laughs) Again, not sponsored by Target, but we're open to it.
1: But we could be. But we could be. And finally, what are we going to
0: recommend this week? Okay. So my first recommendation... I've got three words for you, Grace. Mm-hmm. Promising Young Woman. It is phenomenal.
1: Everyone okay. needs
0: to stop what they're doing and track <laughs> down a cinema, turn our podcast off and go find a cinema <laughs> and watch Promising Young Woman. Oh, my God. It's just okay. brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've been hearing that it's brilliant and I feel like I do need to watch it because I'm worried people are talking about it and I'm worried it's going to get spoiled if I don't just go stop recording and go watch it right
0: now. hundred percent. Like you don't want to miss out on this movie. For those Mm. of you who haven't seen it yet, I'm so jealous of you because you've still got it ahead of you to watch. (laughs) Um, Okay, so a few things. How do I summarise it? If you haven't seen a trailer, don't watch one just go watch the film because I think the more surprised you are, the better in this film. Mm. Just by the, I I don't know, I can't really think of anything like it except for strangely um, but also not, Killing Eve season Mm. one. It's really got a Killing Eve vibe um, to it and the show creator um, is actually uh, one of the writers from Killing Eve that makes sense yeah and also happens to be another interesting person grace who we'll be talking about next week oh camilla parker bowles camilla parker bowles made this show yes what (laughs) so she is like a phenomenal writer director and um she okay what yes yes and um, I had no idea I've never seen her in anything which obviously makes sense because she's an awesome director and stuff um, she has like a very brief cameo in Promising Young Woman um, but she's not in it she created it and it is just what? phenomenal it stars Carey Mulligan mm-hmm. um, and it is I, I've not seen her in much either but she I think uh, that, she's, she's pretty big she's pretty big but not big to me like I had no idea who she was yeah <laughs> which and I've seen a lot, so um, that was pretty bizarre. I was like, who is this face? I don't recognise her. She
1: was, like, really touted, like, 10 years ago as one of the next big things. She was in, like, um, an education, never let me go... Uh, she
0: was in The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby, yes, that's the mm-hmm. one thing I have seen. Also hated that film. Um, yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> which will be another hill to die on on another week. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> bloody Baz Luhrmann. And um, so anyway, I've not seen her in much, but I'm now obsessed with her. She's just so good in this. How do I how do I explain the plot without giving it away? Because I don't want anyone to watch the trailer. Um, Maybe just don't then. We'll just we're gonna obviously have to
1: talk about this in a whole segment, and it's going to have to, to be, have avoid a whole... spoilers. Everyone just needs to watch
0: it. All of you need to watch it. I need to watch it. You do, and um, yeah, literally, it's already got ninety-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is huge. If anyone follows mm. the Rotten Tomatoes ratings, that's pretty darn rare. And um, it's just kind of so original and so different, and um, it just has so many points to be made, which again cannot be summarized in this recommendation so everyone go and watch it and um, it's in select cinemas I think uh, it's not in all cinemas so just really? um, look ahead yeah I don't know why I don't know if it's because of the US and the delayed release because of the pandemic and stuff like I'm not yeah. sure if the release dates are it all a definitely bit
1: funny. it got made ages ago because I saw a trailer for it a year ago and it looked finished and ready so to be I.
0: released so did I yeah. 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 So, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that, but um, either way, go out and watch it. It's going to win everything. It's going to win everything. Mark okay, my words. you
1: called it. You yeah. called it.
0: <laughs> I also have a movie themed recommendation.
1: Ooh. The Dry came out on Boxing Day. And yep. avid listeners of the pod will remember that I recommended the book back in season one of the podcast. And it's come out as the film and I've got to say I reckon it's very very close to the book there's only one little clue they left out for time which I can forgive I think it's beautiful Australian landscape my only issue with it again Mm -hmm. I outlined this last time is that Eric Banner is not the right person for the role in the book they're described as a sunburnt farm kid Eric Banner is a tanned private school boy from Brighton he's just not
0: right (laughs) Don't you think? <laughs> um, look, when he was cast, I thought he'd be really good because he just did Chopper so well. And I thought he could really mm. pull it off. Like I really didn't know where they were going to go with it. Um, but I didn't like the sleek Eric Banner that they pulled out. I would have preferred the um, kind of in-between Chopper and what they gave us. Mm. You know, I haven't seen Chopper, but I definitely. Oh, he was yeah. just phenomenal. So I sort of had mm. faith that he would be pretty good in this role. But he was kind of a miscast. I reckon,
1: yeah. But apparently he read the book and he went up to them and was like, I want to be in this and you kind of can't say no because that kind of star power will help you in the American market.
0: So yeah, you kind of can't say no to got to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> you <much>. know, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I um, enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as the book, which I love seeing books come to life, but Mm. I sort of didn't love it. I, th- I thought... Why? I don't know. It just felt I really I thought it was rushed. pretty close. It but... felt really rushed to me. Like, I mean, I know a book is slower um, because it's a book, but I don't know. It just felt quite... Um, and it was very close to the book. I thought the landscape was beautiful.
1: But also most of the things that happened and the conversations, it was all pretty chronological to the book.
0: Yeah, and some of the side characters were brilliant and it really just quintessentially captured Australian country towns. Um, there's a scene where they're in a diner having dinner. He's having dinner with, um, mm-hmm. I think it Gretchen or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, he's, <laughs> they're literally sitting at like those brown 80s tables with brown leather metal chairs, like those leather chairs with the metal legs. And I was just yeah. like, I have seen that in every black like, kind of, budget pub
1: (laughs) yes and the other thing that was so country country pub was like, she was like, we're going to order the seafood patter. And he was like, we are very far from the ocean. I've had that exact conversation every time I get try to get prawns or fish and chips, people absolutely like, no, not in this town, honey.
0: <laughs> not in this town, no. <laughs> you don't order that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, I, look, it was good. The landscape was really good. I just kind of, yeah, didn't enjoy it as much as the books for some reason. I thought that it was quite rushed and I thought um, when they did the um i won't spoil it but the big reveals at the end um about who did what um, yeah it was it was abrupt at the end especially Quite abrupt i was just like huh yeah. which i
1: mean i know it they want
0: to shock you but surely they just i felt like they just needed to provide more context just kind of mm. to me it felt random but other people have really loved it so i don't know maybe it is just because i read the books and i'm just a bit tainted by that maybe you were just still coming off a high of promising young woman so nothing in your universe comes (sighs) close anymore it's true also jane harper's third book the lost man is definitely by far the best book um, of the three and it's definitely Mm. the best story i reckon
1: well maybe camilla parker Bowles can make it into a movie my mind is still blown by that piece of information by the way
0: yes well the actress who played camilla
1: parker Bowles. Oh no! I thought you were legit talking about Camilla Parker Bowles.
0: Oh yeah, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, why does the public not know? Okay, that is much less impressive. Oh well, it's it's still. I mean, it's still cool. It's more just
0: like a fun fact rather than a mind blowing fact. Okay, well, that's cool. I suppose I couldn't remember the name of the actress, so I just said. I wouldn't know her name don't worry it's cool (laughs) (laughs) it's cool that's fine (laughs) oh god yes well she doesn't feature in my next recommendation (laughs) Um, which is a tv show and I was at a loose end because I've been watching all these movies lately and I've watched Mm. all the tv series I mean I just feel like I've got nothing left to watch um you know which is crazy but I just there nothing was taking me taking my fancy so I just decided to go on to um prime video and watch this <laughs> random show about people surviving because you know how much I love survival shows you do stuff. you do it's called I shouldn't be alive and it and it seems to be a show oh, that you'd find kind of like uh didn't know i was pregnant didn't know i was pregnant show um but it's slightly better than that it's um it's actually got so it's stories about people who've survived and every episode is a different uh story of of survivors of something and it's all different stories um some are you know lost at sea in a life raft some Mm. are Uh, There's a few ocean ones like washed away, kayaking without a kayak, so literally just floating around in the ocean. Um, There's another one uh, where a plane crashes in the African desert And he nearly gets eaten by lions, um, hyenas, and trampled by elephants. And it is like (laughs) unbelievable. Like it is so amazing. And these are all true stories. Um, There's some where they get lost in the Amazon jungle and uh, there's some where they get lost in a snowstorm and they get snow blindness or trapped in a volcano or trapped under a rock like that movie, 127 Mm -hmm. Hours with Mm -hmm. James Franco. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, yeah, very similar things to that. So... It's just really good and they reenact them. So it's basically interviews with the survivors. And then the actual
1: survivor reenacts it or actors?
0: Uh, actors reenact it because yeah, oftentimes yeah. these aren't current. You know, it might have happened in the 90s or 10 yeah. years ago or something. So it's um, people who, yeah, they go out and reenact them. So they're actually like pretty darn good reenactments and. Um, they're just really, it's just really good. Like, it's just really fascinating and I'm totally gripped every time I watch an episode. So um, yeah, give it a go. If, you, if you're if you not really invested in a TV show right now and you just need a one-off mini movie, I would kind of recommend that.
1: Okay, amazing. And I have to tell you, we are super in sync this week because <laughs> my recommendation is very similar to that. Ooh. So it is a Hollywood movie, but it's based on a true story. It's called Adrift.
0: <gasps> oh my Have God, is it? that the
1: one with, um? is it Cheyenne Woodley?
0: Yes, that girl. Yes. yes.
1: Have you is seen that really it? really
0: good? I haven't, but I've seen the trailer. Oh my
1: God, you need to watch it immediately because- <gasps> Damn it. Surviving in a life raft- this is and it's a true story
0: (gasps) oh my god I'm so excited to watch it because when I wanted to watch it um whoever I was watching it with was like that looks shit scared
1: (laughs) no (laughs) "No, it's amazing amazing. I'll just tell you like the opening of the film okay but I won't tell you what happens so basically it's um Sam Kelvin who's in me before you and Hunger Games and Cheyenne Woodley as we established they meet in Tahiti they're both on like a sailing gap year They're like yachting around in Tahiti, having a great time. And then this American baby boomer couple is like, hey, like one of our parents is sick, so we have to fly first class back to New York. Can you sail our boat back for us, our yacht? We'll pay you 10 grand and give you first class return tickets back to Tahiti. And they're like, amazing. That is great. Like what a good holiday. But while they're sailing on their yacht, there's a hurricane. Whoa. and then it's about what happens and it's amazing it's brilliant it's a true story but it has like as I said a shocking amazing ending
0: oh. grace I need to watch this immediately god damn it how am I going to focus tomorrow? Well, I need tomorrow? to watch
1: Promising Young Woman immediately. So let's that's like reconvene as soon as we've both watched these two movies. I can't
0: wait to see it. I wonder if it's based on one of the um, I shouldn't be alive things because there's another movie that's on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet, but it's called Jungle and it's based mm. on one of the reenactments in I shouldn't be alive. But I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that that girl who was the only survivor of a plane crash? No, it's um, about four... Uh, men who go into the jungle and they split into two groups, and one turns out to be dangerous, A oh dangerous, my God. and mysterious. Starring Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. No. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> intriguing well the one i'm thinking of is a true story of this woman who was 17 and the plane crashed and she was the only survivor and she managed to survive for like three months (gasps) and the way she managed to survive was because her parents were like geologists studying the exact kind of uh ecosystem that her plane crashed in so she knew what to eat and stuff off what plants and then eventually like knew how to find water and um yeah, she shouldn't be alive. I'm sure there's got to be. She if definitely they haven't shouldn't be alive. an episode on that yet, they
0: need to. Look <laughs> well, we'll her up to on track, your miniseries. You need to track that down and show me where that is immediately. <laughs> I wonder if Camilla Parker Bowles will be starring in that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> which um, brings us to next week's topics. Uh, we will be discussing season four specifically of The Crown, but also mm-hmm. The Crown in general um, as Grace has just finished it. Finally.
1: Yeah, so as recommended by Miranda season four on its own. Maybe you've watched it too. Um, I loved it. I can't wait to talk about it. I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah, as you can imagine. And for our treasury, we're also gonna be talking about ghosting. So, look, everyone's done it, maybe. Or everyone's (laughs) been either a victim of it or they've done it. Um, and we're just gonna be asking like why and Yeah, what sort of goes on when that behaviour happens and what are some of the stories behind it?
0: Yeah. Is it the subtle fadeaway or ghosting or um, friendly ghosting? Caspering? (laughs) There's lots of words. (laughs) And we will be explaining. (laughs) So join us for that conversation next week. Until then, see you next Tuesday. Just a reminder that we are savvy individuals and not experts. If you need some real advice, please contact someone who knows. Trash and Treasury
1: is produced, authorised and sponsored by us because we did it ourselves. (laughs)